Hello everyone, this is Mary Beth Gassman, and I am really excited to be here for another episode of the Varying Viewpoints podcast, which is sponsored by the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice. And as you know, I'm a professor at Rutgers University and also the executive director of the Proctor Institute. And I'm really excited today because we have a guest with us, Cassidy Puckett, who is assistant professor of sociology at Emory University. And she is also the author of the brand new book, Redefining Geek, Bias, and the Five Hidden Habits of Tech Savvy Teens. So welcome, Cassidy. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it's great. I'm really excited to talk about your book and your research. So we're just going to dig right in and get started. And um, I guess one of the things that I wanted to uh, start with is, can you tell us a little bit more about this project? And why did you decide to write this? Yeah, so it all started quite a long time ago. (laughs) I was um, just um, out of college. And I started teaching technology classes in a small middle school in Oakland, California, in the Fruitvale. And I really wanted to help my students become, you know, tech savvy. Um, And I was also interested in addressing digital inequality. Um, Many of my students were from lower income and immigrant families. Um, In one year of my web design class, I only had girls in the class, and I was really excited about that, um, especially because I was so aware of how male-dominated tech fields were, um, even, you know, in the early 2000s, and I wanted to help address that. So what I did and what prompted the project was that I started to look around as a, you know, as a teacher, the first thing you do is look for standards. And I looked around at the teaching goals for technology education, and I found lots of ideas, but none of them focused on the process of learning, even though technology always changes. So that's constantly changing uh, what you need to know. So it didn't make sense to me. Um, So that's what I ended up studying. What is it that makes, that helps people um, learn new technologies and makes them good with technology? Ah, I love that. I love when things sort of just come about organically like that. Um, It always makes for interesting projects. So in your book, you talk about bias, as you just mentioned. And so I'm wondering how Uh, do um, sexist and racist and classist assumptions about natural ability or natural differences shape uh, participation in tech? Yeah, so there's this common assumption, especially sort of younger generations of kids, right, that they're sort of born with um, a sort of native understanding of technology, that people are just naturally good um, with technology. But Thinking that way, um, you know, thinking that it's a natural ability does three things that I think people don't quite realize is, is sort of, you know, connected to that idea. First, it makes it seem like something you're either born with or you're not, rather than something that you develop. Um, and second, it also suggests that groups that are currently overrepresented in tech education and occupations at the moment that means white affluent male um, were those people those groups were born with special technological skill 
And third, it means other racial and ethnic groups, lower income people, women are just naturally bad with technology and we can't ever get better. Um, but that's just not supported by my research. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's so interesting when you think about like what you hear in the media about all of these like assumptions that we have about people. And so I'm glad, I'm so glad um, that you're doing this work. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like, how did you go about doing the study for the book? Yeah. So I, I think that that assumption is there, but people don't necessarily want to believe it, <laughs> right? Like it's kind of like, Oh, but there's there isn't anything to replace it, right? And of course, I'm a sociologist, so I took an empirical approach to answering that question. What does it mean to be good with technology? Now, I could have studied experts, you know, quote unquote experts in tech fields, but of course, that would be only a very small slice of people who I knew were tech savvy. I knew that from watching my students from knowing about award-winning, amazing um, programs all across the country, including, you know, arts and technology and music and technology all across the country. So that's who I went to. I studied about 100 teens in these award-winning um, in-school and out-of-school technology programs that serve a very diverse group of students. And what I did was I, I approached them as expert learners. And I said, what does it help? You know, what are the, the, the thoughts, the actions, the feelings that help you as you learn new technologies? And I also watched them as they were going about learning new things and would interrupt them and say, hey, <laughs> what did you do there? How did that work? And they had so much good advice that you'll hear all you'll hear their voices throughout the book um, telling us these really important things. And through that process and some uh, quantitative uh, work, um, I identified five technology learning habits. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I really actually uh, was going to say that. I really like the way you titled the book because it just seems like, um, I don't know, when you pick it up, it seems like it's going to be a really easy read. And I found that it was uh, just, you know, easy to get through and really helpful. So um, that you did this research, but you made it digestible for um, for people. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about the five habits that you describe in your book. So you can kind of uh, get people excited to read the book themselves. Yeah, so um, to to get to the end of the of the study really quickly, um, you know the those five habits. There are three of them that are general habits that really could apply to any area of learning. Um, those three are a willingness to try and fail. Um, it's where where you start is you got to be willing to try, and of course you're going to fail because technology learning involves quite a bit of failure, um, as kids told me all the time. And, and they would celebrate it. It looked a particular way with technology. It was just like, ah, like, oh my God, did you see that terrible thing I did? And wasn't that awesome? <laughs> and everybody would cheer them on as they were failing. Um, then the second one of those general habits is uh, managing frustration and boredom. And, and um, kids 
those teens, those tech savvy teens told me that they had a whole bunch of different ways for managing frustration and boredom. And one of them was just to expect that you were going to suck. <laughs> this one kid named who I called Jeffrey in the book, he said, yeah, you're, you're going to suck. And um, that's just a part. And if, if you aren't, if you aren't failing and if you aren't terrible at this, then you're doing it wrong. Right. So, so um, understanding that frustration and boredom are a part of the learning process and always seeking out new ways to manage it. The third habit is the what I call the use of models. And that is about, you know, seeing peers and adults and information online as potential, you know, uh, models for how you can do something. Also models for how you can manage frustration and boredom, right? So, and you have to continually look for those models because technology changes and you come across new things. And so that's the third general habit. The other two habits are technology specific, and those are design logic, which is thinking about why a technology is designed the way that it is and how it relates to what you want to do with it. So if you're, you know, using um, uh, Excel, it can only do certain things, um, although I've seen people do some pretty crazy creative things with Excel. Um, and, and that will shape, uh, you know, how you can approach your goals and whether or not you can accomplish them with the technology that you're using. And then finally, the last habit is something I call efficiencies. And that those are faster ways of using technology, like keyboard commands. Now, I sort of knew that keyboard commands, you know, could be helpful. Um, they make using technology a lot um, faster and it takes a load off your mind, not having to think, okay, I click here, then I click here. Um, if you're using pull down menus, um, uh, but it really became clear through conversations and through observations and watching what these programs were doing that keyboard commands um, really help you to, to be confident in what you're doing, to signal to other people that you know what you're doing. And it gives you a starting point and it's really an, it's, it's insider information into, you know, what it takes to really use technology well. And so those efficiencies are really, really important um, to being good with technology. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love all of that. It makes me think about like my own behavior. So um, as I'm sitting here, um, one thing I also wanted to ask about is, you know, how do these types of habits and, and do they, I guess, vary by race or ethnicity, class, gender? Are there any differences or is that just something that we sort of make up in our minds? Yeah. So this was the big question for me because, you know, as a teacher, I really wanted to be addressing equity, but you don't really know how to do that if you're making assumptions about the nature of the problem, right? And digital divide rhetoric would suggest that people who are not represented in tech fields have you know, deficits in skills and access, et cetera. And so you might think that I would find, you know, that these habits are less developed maybe among girls and among um, people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds and, you know, Black, Latinx, Indigenous, people who are not well represented in tech fields. 
but that's not exactly what I found. So what I did after, you know, um, uh, one of the things I did in service to identifying the habits was I developed something called the digital adaptability scale. It's a set of 15 items that ask about the habits and, um, you know, that's the only way that I could really answer the question of, of, you know, are there demographic differences in these habits was to do a big survey. And so I went to um, Chicago public schools. Um, I did a stratified random sample and of um, they were stratified by uh, the title one status of the school. So, it, you know, if they serve higher or lower um uh, socioeconomic uh, groups of kids. And um, so I went to 27 schools and surveyed all the eighth graders in each school. It was pretty crazy. And, um, and then I looked at, okay, so do we see differences by gender and by race and by class? Now with gender, I found something really interesting, which was that I did find significant differences um, in the habits. Um, but what I found from looking closely at each of the five habits, those differences really hinged on the two technology-specific habits, so design, logic, and efficiencies. So it's not that girls are afraid of failure. Mm -hmm. It's not that they can't manage their frustration and boredom. (laughs) (laughs) It's the insider tricks. It's, you know, design, logic, and efficiencies really is information that has to be shared by other people. Um, you really need an explanation for why a technology designed the way that it is and, and you know, what those secret um, keyboard commands, because there are so many keyboard commands that aren't explained anywhere. Some of the software that the teens were using, the programs that I saw actually have like, there's something called skins that go across the top of the keyboard and they're color coded for all of these layers and layers of keyboard commands. So those really need to be explained. And so I interpret that as gatekeeping. Um, And if you think about it, you know, girls might interpret not knowing those little tricks as, you know, something where they don't have the skills and let other people take over when they're trying to learn something that's something that I saw a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that some of this has to do be related to video gaming, right? Research shows that boys do quite a bit more video gaming. And in video games, you have to learn secret insider tricks to, to accomplish things. Um, and so, Basically, my answer to that is, you know, everyone needs access. And so um, some girls really need to be explicitly taught these two insider tricks. With race and ethnicity and social class, what I found was different and does not align with um, the digital divide narrative. And I, that was that I didn't see any significant differences you know, how I interpret that is that there's a gatekeeping of a different kind where those groups are not being recognized and rewarded for their talents. Wow. That's, um, that's really interesting. You know, just a really, really interesting, uh, finding and, um, yeah, I might, I might have to delve a little more deeply into that one too. Um, so, um, one thing I wanted to ask as well is, um, 
So how can we help young people to develop and recognize these habits? Yeah, I think the most important thing is just understanding. And this seems such a basic thing, but just understanding that you can't look at a person and know what they need and know what they're capable of. That's when bias creeps in. Um, so what I recommend for anyone, parents, educators, et cetera, is finding out what habits they use and targeting the ones that are less developed. And so the digital adaptability scale which is included in the book, it's also on my website, that can help with that. It's really simple. It takes five minutes to fill out. Then there's, you know, teaching all kids and teachers and parents, et cetera, that uh, this different definition of what it means to be good with technology that focuses on learning, right? So that to be good with technology, develop learning habits. And that, in my research, that one orienting belief um, was the was the factor that was most you know um, significantly related to the development of the habits, and then you know it's important to of course explain the habits, um, especially the two technology specific ones. Um, I wouldn't assume that all girls girls need help with that, but it might be the case um, that girls are more likely to need help with those two um, habits. And then the last thing is um, to do different things with kids. Different um, technology uses will help them to practice their learning habits. Because of course, if you get good at one thing, doesn't mean you're going to be good at something else. And so you just have to keep on keep on trying. And it doesn't have to be something, you know, super advanced. I saw kids taking computers apart that were really old computers. They weren't afraid of breaking them. Um, so simple things like that can actually be quite helpful. Oh, I love that. I love all the curiosity that comes from taking things apart too. I was going to tell you a little story when I was a little girl. Um, I, I only, I only got one spanking when I was a child and it was because my, my, um, one of my relatives, I grew up very poor and one of my relatives gave me this, um, this dog radio. And it was like this really cute little dog radio that like no one in my family would have had. Right. And I would never been able to get this. And I was such a curious kid that when I got the radio, the first thing I did was take it completely apart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh -oh. And then I got a spanking, okay, yes. so, <laughs> which, you know, I was just a curious kid, but my parents didn't, weren't well educated and they didn't understand that. And they just thought I was being disrespectful. So, so anyway, that, I mean, I love, I love people taking things apart. I think that's great. Um, so you mentioned, uh, in your book uh, that your book is a, a, a different approach, right? So how is your book different from what we've seen before in this kind of, uh, line of thinking? Yeah. I, I mean, it's really different because it's questioning. It's fundamentally questioning this digital divide narrative that we've all been following. Even I was following it as a teacher thinking that I sort of knew what the problem was. Um, but I think that that we really need to dig into that and say, okay, so where is this problem coming from? Um, it's, there's also no previous book that looks at, you know, what does it really mean to be good with technology and that breaks down what people do to continually learn. Um, you know, it, it, it describes the habits in a qualitative way as well as a quantitative way. It provides mm. concrete tools for observing the habits. Um, it also, um, in one of the last chapters, it describes the things that award-winning 
technology programs. Um, and, and I should say that they are, some of them were focused specifically on technology and many of them were, you know, doing other things in service to, um, uh, uh, or using technology in service to other things. So like learning um, archaeology um, through the use of technology. Um, and oh. mm-hmm. yeah, really, really cool uh, stuff is going on all across the country. Um, and finally, it also talks about why these habits are not equally shared and some of the gatekeeping dynamics that I observed instances where, for example, teachers are using technology as a prize for the quote unquote good students who already develop their tech learning habits at home. Um, and so there's um you know, a question about equal access to learning opportunities and treating technology as a prize in a competition, which is another thing that I talk about in the book, um, you know, is, is, is fueled by an emphasis on competition in education today. And what I argue is that we really need to think about equity, um, that it's important to avoid um, just providing these opportunities to, to students who we think are deserving, um, right? The good kids who finish their work early, for example, who might get, you know, some extra computer time. Everybody needs these um, uh, habits and being able to develop their skills so everyone can participate in our increasingly technological world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I like that. And um, um, so so you are going to be doing a talk with us, the Proctor Institute, on October 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern time about your new book, Redefining Geek, um, which is Redefining Geek Bias and the Five Hidden Habits of Tech Savvy Teens, in case you all forgot that from the beginning. Um, and we're going to kind of continue this conversation and I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about what they should expect and perhaps why they should join into that talk. Yeah, I'm so excited. And thank you for the invitation. I'm so excited. I'm, it's going to be in conversation um, with Frieden Bloom Orr um, at Tufts University. Um, and we're just going to be talking about, um, you know, in in greater depth, all of the things that I've just described, um, especially about this issue of gatekeeping and the engines that fuel it, um, and and how to see the world in a different way, and how to approach education in a different way, and um, technology education in a different way, um, and you know that's more oriented towards. Um, equity and thinking about our democracy and and what these things mean for our future. Um, you know, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the problems we face in the future are really big um, and that we need as many people thinking about things in innovative ways as possible. So that's um, what we're going to be talking about in that session. Great. Well, I hope that um, lots of people will uh come to the session. We are very, very excited about it. And we're so happy that you um, decided to join us uh, for this upcoming session. And thank you so much for joining us uh, for the Varying Viewpoints podcast today. Uh, I am, uh, you know, I always love to talk to smart people doing really good things. So thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you. This has been wonderful. Um, and I also wanted to mention if uh, folks, you know, listening want more information about me or about the book, um, my website is CassidyPuckett.com. And one tiny, la or not so tiny for me, but a last thing is that um, I just want to note that a portion of the book proceeds will benefit the middle school where I taught. So where this all began, <laughs> right, back in Oakland is a small school called Urban Promise Academy. Um, so I can't wait to um, donate some book proceeds to them. So I just want to thank your audiences for um, their time. I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to close this out now. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us today. <laughs>